In the first three verses of Ephesians 2, we saw that sinners are all dead, deceived, and doomed. In verses 4 through 7, God makes known His grace towards sinners. Today, on Drawing Near, we see God's demonstration of mercy, love, and grace on our behalf in Christ Jesus. So open your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and join us for the surpassing wealth of God's grace. Before we begin, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, mercy, and love toward us. We thank you that you have clearly made it known, not only in Christ, but in your word. You have described it and explained it. You've told us what you have done and why you have done it and how we benefit. Father, we thank you for this great gift. And we ask you, Father, to work in our hearts that we might believe and draw near. Work in our minds that we might see and know and understand. And we ask that you work in our bodies that we may live out the love of Christ day by day before the world as light in the world and before you in honor and reverence and worship. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in offenses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And he raised us up together with him and seated us together with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus to demonstrate in the coming ages the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 begins ominously. In the first three verses, we learn that as sinners, we are dead in our sins and trespasses, we are deceived by Satan, and we are doomed to condemnation because of our sin. All of that leads to the first couple of words in verse 4, but God. If it were not for those two words, but God, we would still be dead, deceived, and doomed. But God intervened. God did not leave us there. And so we are told several things about God. Look at these verses. It tells us God is rich in mercy. God has great love toward us. God has made us alive together with Christ. God has raised us up together with Christ. God has seated us together with him in the heavenly realms. It sounds very much like the early part of chapter 1, when Paul blesses God for all that he has done. And yet chapter 2 is distinct. It's different. We see what God has done again in Christ toward us. Notice what it says about God. God doesn't simply sit on his throne in heaven and look down upon fallen man and condemn. God is just, he is righteous, and he is holy. He is perfectly good. He cannot be tempted with sin, nor does he tempt anyone else with sin. He must 
judge sin. He cannot be a good God or a good righteous judge if he passes over or glosses over our sinfulness. So as a just God, he must judge our sin. Therefore, we must be condemned. But we are told that God is not simply just. He's not simply holy and good, but we are told he is rich in mercy. Mercy is that quality of God that withholds from us what we deserve. He has compassion on us. He sees us in our sin, and he has mercy. Instead of leaving us in the condemned state that we are, he acts in mercy toward us, withholding the judgment we deserve and seeking our salvation. He is rich in mercy. He has abundant mercy. Then we are told in verse 4, he has great love toward us. It says, because of his great love with which he loved us. He doesn't just have love toward us or love for us. He exercises his love toward us. It's one thing to say that I love someone. It's another thing to be loving toward someone. God has great love, and he has been greatly loving toward us. So he's rich in mercy. He has great love with which he has loved us, and he has done this even though we were dead in our sins and trespasses, in our offenses. It reminds us of Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's one thing to die for a good person. It's another thing to die for a sinful, guilty, condemned person. God loved us so much that he did not leave us in that sinful, fallen, condemned state. He exercised his mercy, and he exercised his love, even though we were dead in our sins. What did he do? Well, we are told in verse 5, he made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive. We were dead. Now he's made us alive together with Christ. We are told in a parenthetical statement, by grace you are saved. We are saved by the grace of God. So already in these two verses, we have seen three things about God. He is rich in mercy. He has great love toward us and has exercised that love toward us. And he has saved us by grace. Grace is that quality of God which gives us what we do not deserve. Mercy withholds from us what we do deserve, condemnation, and grace gives us what we do not deserve, salvation. Verse 6 continues, God raised us up together with Christ and seated us together with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Not only have we been made alive together with Christ, if that weren't enough, God has also raised us up together with him. It's a reference to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Sin results in our physical death 
and our spiritual death. We have been made alive spiritually, but we still must die physically. But the grave will never be able to hold us because we have been raised up together with Christ. Now, notice it doesn't say we will be raised up together. In God's view, this is already done. It's a reference to the assurance that we have been made alive together with Christ, and we have already been raised up together with Christ, even though we have not physically died. That's how secure our salvation is in Christ. We have been made alive, and we have been raised up together with Christ. And we have been seated together with him in the heavenly realms. Not we will be seated together. It's already done. God's act of mercy, love, and grace in our lives is viewed by God as completed. Even though we are still being saved, we will be raised, and we will be seated from our perspective. From God's perspective, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, was raised, and ascended into heaven, by trusting in Jesus, all those things are applied to us immediately. Isn't that amazing? Why did God do all of this? Why did he make us alive, raise us up, seat us together with Christ? Verse 7 tells us, to demonstrate in the coming ages the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness toward us. God wanted all creation to see the display of his grace toward us in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. God wanted the glory of his grace to the praise of his grace, everyone to see grace in action in our lives. So how big a grace is this? Well, we were dead on our sins and trespasses. We were deceived by Satan and unable to even see. We were in darkness. We were doomed, condemned. We were as great a violator against God as Satan himself when he led the rebellion in heaven. We are worthy of the same condemnation, eternal hell. But God's grace toward us, his love toward us, his mercy toward us, was put on display in Christ Jesus, so that all in the coming ages could see the surpassing wealth of his grace. So there's a couple of more observations we need to make. First of all, look at God, his qualities, and what he has done. God is rich in mercy. God has great love toward us. God made us alive together with Christ. He did this by his grace. God raised us up together with Christ. God has seated us together with Christ in the heavenly realms. Can I say it another way? God has withheld the condemnation we deserve, and through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, God has demonstrated his great love toward us, has displayed his grace toward us in giving us salvation, 
and he has raised us up together with Christ and has already elevated or seated us together with him in the heavenly realms. Do we have reason to worship and praise God? Absolutely. Why did he do all of this? To demonstrate the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness, in compassion toward us in Christ Jesus. Second, I want us to see our position in Christ. We are told we are alive with Christ, we are raised up with Christ, and we are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ. In Christ, we experience the wealth of God's grace through the kindness of God. We are nothing apart from Christ. We must be in Christ. We must, by faith, trust Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, what he did in the grave and resurrection. We must trust in Christ by faith, wholly, completely. We must be in Christ. I want us to see one other thing, and we're done. What did we do for our salvation? Where in chapter 1 or so far in chapter 2 have we done anything but be sinners condemned? What have we done except been the beneficiaries of God's love, grace, and mercy, of Jesus' sacrifice in his death, burial, and resurrection? What did we do? Nothing but sin. Nothing but rebel. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. But God has laid on Jesus the iniquities of us all. We have done nothing to earn or deserve salvation. And that's the point. God is glorious and we need to worship him. Jesus is glorious, and we need to worship and serve him. He needs to be our Savior and our Lord. Father in heaven, thank you. We are undeserving, unworthy. Many might see this as an indictment on us. It is. Many might see this as bringing guilt upon us. We are guilty. But we thank you for your glorious demonstration of your compassion toward us in Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to leave heaven, become a man, live on this earth a sinless life, die on the cross bearing our sin and our iniquity, our punishment, our guilt, and then carry that to the grave and resurrect victoriously from the dead. We thank you that you are at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for sealing us, for being our pledge, our down payment on all that awaits us, for being our guarantee. Thank you for encouraging us and strengthening us and convicting us and correcting us. Now, Father, help us to walk in Christ, to live in Christ. Help our faith to increase and abound toward you in love and service and devotion. We ask this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.